What's up? You are now listening to the Next Level Confident Podcast with Janelle and A. If you are ready to challenge your previous ways of thinking and take action on the bold, purpose-driven life you were created for, you'll want to keep listening. On the show, we will vulnerably discuss finding your purpose in life, strengthening your mindset, building quality relationships, and prioritizing your health. I hope you're as excited as I am. Let's do this. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Next Level Confident. Today, I have a powerhouse woman whose story I cannot wait for you to hear. She helps entrepreneurs and leaders in the world process their pain and emotions by releasing trauma um, so ultimately they can have a greater impact on the world. So I cannot wait to welcome Courtney Ballard. Yay! Hi! <laughs> I know. There's, like, there's nothing to say there. It's kind of awkward. It's like, hello. Um, hello. I'm glad you're here. Um, <laughs> you guys, Courtney is so incredible. I want you each of you to connect with her on Instagram. She does these posts that are so powerful and they're long, kind of like mine, and they like draw <laughs> in. Like you can't stop reading what she writes. She's such a good writer. Um, so you can find Courtney at Courtney, C-O-U-R-T-N-E-Y-Y-Y. Yes, that's three Ys. And <laughs> last name is Ballard, B-A-L-L-A-R-D. So that is where you can find her on Instagram. Courtney, is there anywhere else that you'd like for people to reach out to you? Um, I mean, also Facebook. I mean, if you just, um, I don't even, Facebook, Facebook and Instagram are mainly where I'm at right now. Um, and just think my, my Facebook, you type my name and pretty much pop up. So. Perfect. All right. Sounds good. Well, let's go ahead and jump right into this. Um, Courtney, I just want people to hear your story because I know that on your social media, first and foremost, you talk so openly about your eating disorder. Um, and I would love for you to share your story with us. So where did that begin? Yeah. So goodness. So I, you know, I originally started struggling with, um, my body and the way I looked when I was probably 12. Um, I grew up in, I grew up doing competitive cheer and I think for me it felt like there was just a lot of pressure um my body type I'm, I'm definitely more muscular genetically and because um cheerleading you, you are doing a lot of activity that creates more muscle mass and so um just for me that was that was a little bit harder though because I definitely felt different um in school and with the other girls around me and you have to think like at five years old I'm prancing around in little sports on spandex next to all these girls um and it just created a lot of comparison for me and I mean I will say um and this is a part of a lot of the work I, that I do you, you find there's so much more that can happen subconsciously into why I would struggle with all of these things um but yeah it was, it was about when I was 12 um I pretty much was like you know I was going through of course um transition with you know becoming a woman you know this is where what's even the I don't even know the word like hormones whatever what, what's that word that thing <laughs> I think it's hard. But, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, and all the changes is just really challenging. And so um I really started to just like heavily restrict and um at thirteen is when I was diagnosed with anorexia and um fourteen, first year of high school, I I missed I pretty much missed like at least half a year of school every year in high school, um, just because I continued to struggle. But 
um, yeah, from the, you know, it started as restriction and then eventually I ended up having to quit cheer because I just couldn't, I couldn't do anything. Like I, I was so like, I literally think of it as like brain dead because I didn't have substance to me and, and I couldn't, I just couldn't do much. And so, you know, I was falling and, and tumbling things that I, would, I used to be so good at. I was dropping, I was a, I was a base, so I would, I would hold the flyer up and I was dropping my flyer all the time. It was pretty bad, um, passing out a lot until, you know, they kind of, it's kind of like not an option, had to quit. Um, and from there, it was like, okay, well, I have to keep being active. Like, I can't just not do anything. So I really got into fitness. And so pretty much over the course of 10 years, from the 12 until I was 22, I just, I mean, I struggled with anorexia, overeating, binge eating. Eventually, you know, once getting into the fitness industry, I started struggling with bulimia. Um, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it went on for about 10 years there. Wow. Yeah. So you say you miss like half of each year of high school going through high school. Uh, that was just, you, yeah. like, you were just like really sick. So you were, you were yeah. trying to recover. Well, yeah. So each year, like, like freshman year, I was in a treatment center in Omaha. Omaha didn't have anything. And like, uh, I can go into this more, but um, I don't, I don't agree with a lot of the mainstream ways to, to heal eating disorders or a lot of mental, mental things. And I know that's kind of a, thing where I'm stepping on toes and I get onto that topic I just don't agree with a lot of because and I and I don't because I went through so much of it where it was consistent behavior management where I would go into a treatment center and I would leave like quote-unquote better but I would just relapse right when I left and so pretty much every year of high school is in some kind of different treatment center um for either an eating disorder or for depression um in my senior year I actually graduated early um funny I ended up graduating salutatorian because perfectionist in me I'm a one on the Enneagram so you know it's got to be that perfectionist regardless wow. um, <laughs> yeah but yeah so you know I um even after graduating I was still really struggling and I even after high school I went to treatment three more times I think and each time same thing would happen I would go in um, I actually went to Denver um to this place called Eating Recovery Center and I left once again better but relapsed like literally the day I left I relapsed um, so, and I, I want to dive into that a little bit more. Um, I, I don't know, like if the, if people listening right now, how much experience they have or, you know, but even if this helps just one or two people, like you're saying that the average center, um, isn't really helping. They're just kind of like, it sounds like you're saying they're kind of putting a bandaid on top of the problem and then you leave and it's really easy to relapse. So, um, why do you think that is? Yeah. Okay. And so like, I don't even know statistically what's, what's re realistically happening, but I do know I'm in contact with quite a few people that this happens with. And not only that, but, um, all of my friends that I was in treatment, not all, but quite a few of my friends that I was in treatment with still can't see the light of day. And yeah, so I mean, I, I talked about the behavior management. I think, you know, you come into this place and I, I think there's a lot of different aspects. Something for me was that you're kind of surrounded with, with the sum of people who are really struggling with the same thing and, and almost created a community of, I think the desire is that we're creating community of um, freedom and to be healthy and to not be dealing with this. But there was so much partnership in, inside of disorders. One of the biggest things I find um, in these spaces is that we're, be, we're consistently being treated and being told, like, this is what's wrong with you. Um, um, let me tell you how I can fix you. And, and even just the, the disorder itself, the fact that, okay, you have an eating disorder. And 
um, I can go into more of how I really got free. But when I really did start to gain freedom, the people who were helping me never once even said the word eating disorder. Like we never said eating disorder. We never even talked about that. They never labeled me as that. Um, we didn't even really dive into that. And my experience through all these different centers, it was just so much weight and heaviness upon what is wrong. Um, and they're really, really good at telling you what to eat when to eat it, how much to do, how much weight you need to gain or how much weight you need to lose. And then you leave and you're faced with the same emotional crap that you've been dealing with since you were a child. Um, and obviously like, you know, that's where therapy comes in and I, and there is therapists in these centers. Um, but you know, I, and I can't even speak to a lot of this for a lot of, and I think, I think we're growing in the area of therapy. I think we're getting a lot better at the different types that are being included that are really important and powerful. Um, but understanding the way the brain works and the connections to our hearts and our past, um, I didn't experience any of that in my time in treatment centers. So it's definitely something that I found missing and I don't know if that's changed up until now. Um, but yeah, my experience is just that we, we never got to the root of the problem. We really just did kind of stick band-aids on things. Yeah. So it was like, Courtney, um, as you can see, you weigh X amount, you should be weighing X amount and you know, you're not, you're not eating enough food. So this, yeah, like you said, this is the time of day. These are the types of food. Let's get you on this like schedule, this regimen, but it wasn't ever getting into like, why did, why, why are you not eating? Like what, where's your self-worth at? And like the conversation of self wasn't like being, when I have to yeah, and I just say, like, my day-to-day life right now, I don't even really talk about eating disorders anymore. Like, mm-hmm. and I even try to almost, like, it's, it's, it's challenging for me inside of, like, promoting in the coaching that I've done with helping people in that arena. I, I realize you kind of have to market in that way if you need to speak to people are struggling with it. But I'm like, well, I don't, I don't need to talk about these things anymore because it's not who I am. Like, I don't identify as that. Like, for 10 years, I identified myself as Courtney, the girl who struggles with food and body image, and mm-hmm. Courtney, the girl who's always had an eating disorder, Courtney, the girl who's always been sick, and it's just, to me, it's, it's toxic to literally be in a space where all we're talking about is our issues. I don't talk about those things anymore. I don't identify with them anymore, um, and it, it's just almost irrelevant to me, and I, I think if we can get out of the space of talking so much about what's wrong with you and talk more about what's happening internally and who you really are so much can change. And, and from there, you can create different plans and processes, um, obviously to deal with the health side of things, because I realize a lot of these girls and, and men too do need to gain weight and do need to be on specific meal plans. But you can't, like, same thing with fitness, right? Like, you, fitness doesn't work if your mindset doesn't match it. Well, it's the same thing here. Yeah, 100%. It's a, it's a self-worth uh, conversation or self-love conversation yeah. of like, you know, I can give you all the tools for nutrition or I can give you all the tools for workouts. Like I can make sure you're there every single day. And that, I mean, that happens sometimes with people with personal trainers, they hire a personal trainer for six months. It's obviously really expensive and they go for six months and then they can't afford it. And then after the six months ends, they're like, I don't really know what I learned from the trainer. And I don't really know how to go to the gym by myself. And a lot of the excuses or a lot of the stuff happening within the mindset doesn't shift. And so then therefore they end up, you know, kind of back where they started um, because they become very dependent on their trainer instead of having the mindset shift of like, I am worthy. I am capable. I could download an app for free and I could figure it out. I could, you know, I can find X, Y, and Z workout. Like 
at the end of the day, you can find that stuff for free anywhere as long as you care enough. But sometimes right. we just don't make yeah, ourselves a priority. Yeah, we don't. I mean, there's so many things that go into it too, because like we could talk about that within so many different arenas of our lives that we are in a day and age where you can find anything on the internet, but how many people are actually sitting down and incorporating this free information and understanding why they're doing it? We can't, I mean, and this is kind of why I started helping you know, entrepreneurs and leaders is so many people can't implement business processes if they don't have the mindset to match it. And so this, this piece of it is so important and it's, it's just going like so many people are missing it because you just think if I incorporate this specific strategy and the specific tool, then I will get the result that I want. And it just doesn't work that way. Mm. So how does it work? I mean, ultimately, you have to be able to match what you're creating through your internal world. Um, and a lot of this is based upon what's happening subconsciously, right? Like so much of our lives is driven by our subconscious. And if you're not aware, you're not aware. Of course, I realize that. But once you, are, once you start to understand, um, you know, why you do things the way you do them because of what you've gone through in your life, because of the stories you created around your past, because of, um, you know, how, how you decided to tell yourself who you really are um, due to what's happened. Now you can understand why you believe the things you do in this, in this moment and why you respond or react to the way you, you, you react to situations. Um, because, you know, like the energy you're backing up your action with is how you'll actually create the result of what you're doing. Um, and, I, and I understand that there's logistics behind a specific process that works with a formula, but I also realized that I, I did that for so long and our bodies um, and, our, and our brains and the connection they have to what's happening emotionally is so powerful and it will absolutely overtake any specific process you implement. And I've seen it happen time and time again. I've, I've seen it happen with, with women who um, can't lose weight, you know, who, who implement this diet and implement this exercise um, but they have no basis of, of worth and, and, their, and their body is responding to how they feel about themselves. I see in business all the time happening the same way. And it just goes to show you that whatever you're believing is what you're creating. Mm. Oh, I love that. What you're believing is what you're creating. And I have had many clients before as well that I'm like, dang, like, you would think everything that you're doing is working because you exercise so much yeah. and you are eating literally so perfectly. Like sometimes I'm even like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't exercise that much and I wouldn't eat that perfectly. That sounds like a nightmare. Like I love donuts and ice cream and sleep too much, you know? And, but then that's what, when you realize that it's like the emotional stress and trauma that's going along with like the motivator behind that, like the motivation behind working out and the motivation behind perfect eating is yeah. like, Right. self-hate, right? It's like, yeah, if I do all this and my body gets perfect, then I love myself instead of flipping that script and saying, I love myself and I will eat a good meal because I believe in, in loving myself and I believe in loving myself. So I have some Ben and Jerry's, you know, like learning right. how to have that self-love and because you believe that you're worthy and like, this sounds like some hippie stuff for sure. I, I, I assume someone listening right now is like, okay, yeah, uh-huh. Like if I just love myself and respect myself and deal with my emotional stuff, I'm going to lose weight. It sounds crazy, but 
literally that's how it works. Yeah, no, totally. And I mean, there's this, so I'm saying this, I'm not telling everyone to start eating fast food and, and, and junk food, but there's, I don't know if you've heard this, there's this study that was done between a group of people who live, live somewhere in the Midwest. I don't know where it was. Maybe it was like Wisconsin or something. Who knows? Um, a group of people who live there and um, they, they don't eat really the way that we do on the West Coast. Because obviously on the West Coast, we have so much more options of, you know, healthy and what that looks like. But this group of people, they ate a lot of like McDonald's and they didn't really think twice about what they're eating, but they had such a basis of family and community. Um, they weren't really surrounded by the celebrity culture and the rat race to drive to the top of success. And um, then there's this group of people in LA um, and these people do yoga every single day and they drink green juice and they eat so they eat so great. Like they, you know, they're the ones eating all the spinach and kale and everything. Um, but they're surrounded with this society of, you know, like go, 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 look better. Like, you know, hate yourself into, into feeling good about yourself and um, make a ton of money and, and whatnot. And um, this group of people is actually so, I, I don't know about like the exact um, results of it, but this group of people was far, far less healthy, like way more health issues. And, and the other group of people was way healthier. Um, and it just goes to show. You're saying the people you know, in, like on the mid, in the Midwest who had like a healthy, loving environment that they were living in yeah. and eating like crap, mm-hmm. but yeah, they had, they had less like health issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm honestly not shocked. Like I don't, I don't, I don't personally crave um, McDonald's. <laughs> I don't crave those types of foods. So that, that would be irrelevant to me. I wouldn't want to eat that. But I do know that when I'm in an environment where I feel safe, where I feel loved, where I feel supported, where I feel known, and, and I feel like I'm taking care of my internal needs. Oh my God, I feel 10 million times healthier um, in every area of my life. So yeah. 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 I love that. It's, it's so true. And I was even listening to a podcast this morning um, that I really liked where the guy was talking about um, how so often people just think that there's good food and there's bad food and um, you know, eat as much of the good food as you can and try not to have the bad food. And him and I were talking today about um, how we both love Ben and Jerry's and he was actually, it's funny. He was saying his sister actually works for Ben and Jerry's and like, I was like fangirling. I'm like, that's so amazing. I love Ben and Jerry's. I can't imagine working for them. It's so great. And, and here we are both like personal trainers and we're both in the fitness industry and like, and we're talking about how like we wish more people understood that it's okay to have those other types of food because like you're saying, Courtney, it's somewhat irrelevant. Like, yes, if you eat horrible foods day in and day out, I don't, I don't think that's a good idea. And at the same time, eating perfectly and having a perfectly macro counted meal every day of your life, but you don't have any social life or you sit at home and like, you just, you know, you're craving human love and connection and you're, you wish you could go to ice cream with a friend, but you just, you can't cause you can't eat those calories or whatever. It's like yeah. you, a, your body would look better, but also b your life would just be so much more fulfilled if you just want to let yourself have that treat that you're trying to hold out on yourself from. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, cause it, and that's, and it's, it's so like within the way I do my coaching, it's all based upon, you know, the way you feel safe and, and like how you're, because you all have internal needs. Um, and when those needs are getting met in a healthy form, everything else in your life is so much easier. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you can start to do the things that you want to be doing or whatever specific process or strategy that you're trying to do um, from that space. It's, it's easy and it's fun and it's exciting again. And it's not hard and it's not challenging and it doesn't feel debilitating. And um, I just know for so many people, 
in whatever arena it is they're struggling, whether it be with their relationship with food, um, going to the gym, you know, becoming an entrepreneur, all of those things, it does feel debilitating and it does feel really challenging and it does feel all of these other things. And it's like, okay, well, it's not about the fact that it's not about the things we think it's about. It's always um, directly rated back internal. Yeah. And I think sometimes the hardest part is the surrender. It's, it is the letting go of what we think, right? Like we think that if we strangle it and we work so hard towards it and we give everything we have, that then we're going to get success, whether that's in the business world, whether that's with our body, whether that's with a relationship. And sometimes there's this weird surrender of doing less. And it's honestly scary because it feels backwards. It feels like if I do more, I'll get better results. And it feels much scarier to say, I'm going to do less. I'm going to work out less. I'm going to count my calories less or with work. I'm going to, I'm actually not going to work 12 hour entrepreneurial days. I'm not going to only sleep six hours a day and stress myself out. Like what if I only worked, you know, five hours, you know, through a day and it's okay that I worked out in the middle of the day. And then I, maybe I got lunch with a friend at some point, you know, like, right. And, but yet, your business can still grow because you actually aren't strangling it because you aren't strangling yourself in the process. Are you ready for change, but not sure which direction to go or how to get there? I feel you. I've been there before. Whether you're trying to change your body, your career, or your relationships, it all starts with believing that you are worthy and your life has a purpose worth pursuing. So if you want support in up-leveling your mindset and taking action on your life, I would love to support you. Apply for my one-on-one coaching program by clicking the link on my Instagram bio or going to my website at JanelleLene.com. I cannot wait to talk to you. So cool. So Courtney, tell us a little bit about... um, like the mindset that you had throughout all of this, like what was going on on this deeper subconscious level? And then um, what was it that finally, like like you've said, it wasn't really the, the eating disorder clinics that you were going to. So what was it that was kind of the final thing that I guess woke up your subconscious or woke up this other level for you to realize, oh shoot, like the change needs to happen? Yeah, well, so you know, for me in all the years that I struggled, it was all based upon self-hatred, like just not liking myself, having no value for myself. Um, God, I remember so many days just like cringing as I would look at myself in the mirror and like grabbing my skin thinking like just so much disgust and um, so many moments where I just, I thought like there's no way to like what I, what I see in the mirror um, and there's no way to have people in my life who can accept me and value me and love me um, unless I have this tangible result to bring to the table. And that's what drove me for years and years and years and years. And, um, you know, basically what happened was when I was on my 22nd birthday, um, I kind of just had like an earth shattering moment where um, at that time in my life, I was kind of just living really recklessly. I was it's, it's, it's crazy because once you're in one, one behavior or one arena of your life that is mixed with toxic behaviors will absolutely start to spill into other areas of your life. And, um, I, I was drinking and partying like four to five nights a week and, um, really seeking, 
um, fulfillment through men. And, and I was at like my highest point of struggling with bulimia where I was binging and purging anywhere from like seven to 10 times a day, which is outrageous. And it was like, it was crazy. I was, I was stuck or I felt stuck, felt so stuck. And I felt very hopeless. Um, and I was in my bathroom getting ready to go out with some friends on my birthday. And at the time I didn't have any real friends. Like most of my friends were, um, people that I would just party with. And that was the extent of our friendship. Um, and I randomly got a text that, you know, one of them bailed and then the rest of them just kind of like ghosted the plans for that night. And, um, it's so funny because every time I would be getting ready to go out at that time in my life, I would also be listening to worship music. <laughs> and so it was like, I need some kind of fulfillment here. And I, was, I remember I was in my bathroom and getting that and I just kind of, I, I broke down. It was like my whole body just started trembling like, oh my God, I just can't live this way anymore. I just can't do it. And um, I, I knew something had to shift and, I, and it didn't, the, the space with, with struggling with food, it didn't actually start to shift directly in that moment. I mean, everything in my life did start to move in a different direction. I mean, I ended up moving again back out, out to California and going back to Bethel and I, um, you know, develop new relationships, but it wasn't until like a year after that, um, I had a, I moved in with a girl and she had prior struggled with, um, eating disorders and her now husband, um, they both, they weren't, we weren't even dating at the time, but they both just became like pinnacles in my life of people who they just kind of, they really mentored me for the next year. And, um, the way they went about things was that, like I said earlier, we never really talked about quote unquote eating disorder. Like we could, we could have moments of practicals and be like, okay, well maybe try eating this and see if that's more supportive for you. Or maybe try doing this in, in, in your diet and see if that's more supportive. But mostly what it was, was them holding me in my pain, like consistently getting triggered. It was like a year of heavily being triggered by anything and everything. And I had to think I moved in with her, um, a month after my brother passed away and I was, so I was just having such a high level of trauma and pain and um, they both knew how to sit with me and, and my pain in a way no one had ever been able to before and to start, start to speak to my internal needs and to start to communicate to me with what was really happening in my heart. Um, you know, they really taught me a lot of the coaching that I do now and it was all based around creating a relationship with your heart and scientifically even proven the brain, the left side of our brain is actually connected to our heart. Um, and understanding how to make that connection is through um, creating a relationship with your heart, which sounds super like woo-woo-ish, but <laughs> honestly, and, and, and it does. And I, when I start to have clients, it's like, what in the world? But it's actually extremely powerful um, because your heart can actually speak to you and tell you what it needs. And I didn't really know how to do that right away. And that was a challenging thing for me. I would say right now, like I can instantly know what my heart's asking of me. It's, it's create practice or it takes practice, but um, just having them very closely understand what was happening internally and having them be able to speak to my pain in a way no one had ever been able to. I never in my life had anyone be able to speak to me the way they spoke to me. Because even being in church settings, I, I felt like I was always wanting to be sick. I mean, be like someone prays over you and thinks you're instantly going to be healed. And I had so many moments in my life being surrounded by people in the church setting that were like instantly healed of whatever it was, drugs or alcohol. I'm just being so frustrated and being like, that's not ever going to happen to me because I have to face food for every single day of my life. I actually have to walk through this. And I did. And so that year was heavy. And, and that year, it wasn't an instantaneous change. It did gradually change pretty quickly, I would say. I mean, to go from 
10 years of really struggling to this whole year, things are really shifting to me was fast, but it wasn't overnight by any means. Um, because like right now I don't struggle in that area at all. I don't struggle with binging and restricting anymore whatsoever. And I really think it's because I, I gained such a process of value for who I really am. Like I can look at myself in the mirror um, and, and be so accepting um, and just feel like I have this term, like feeling at home in my body. And that comes from, it didn't come from a diet plan and it didn't come from gaining or losing weight. Cause I did gain a lot of weight in that time. Like I, I, I mean, I've, I gained like over 20 pounds over that year and even more since then. And I just don't even really care at this point. Um, because I am, I'm probably at my healthiest I've ever been. Um, and I just feel so safe with me. Um, I, I don't think I've I'm arrived by any means. Like there's totally things in my life that I still get triggered by than that I work through, but I'm so much more solidified in, in this space of having value for me. And now like knowing how all this stuff works, I feel so set up for the rest of my life that any, any other trauma and pain I go through, I understand how to work through it and, or having other mentors and coaches that, that help me with it too. Mm. Wow. That was powerful, Courtney. I think we can just go ahead and wrap it up. That was it today. No, (laughs) that was really good. I love how you said that they just sat with you in your pain. And even as you're saying that, you know, I think of the times where, um, I think sometimes we expect so much from people, especially our loved ones. And I can fall, I can fall privy to that of like, expecting so much from Frankie or expecting so much from my parents and, um, and not really realizing that like everyone's going through stuff and everyone has this, you know, different pains in their life. And instead of always trying to quote unquote fix it or change it or make it better, sometimes it literally just means like listening and sitting yeah. in the pain. And like, I think at least for me, that can sometimes be a challenge. Cause I, I'm like so quick to be like, let's figure out a solution, you know? And I think that's the world we live in is like a solution-based world. So I don't, it's just me, but I can definitely say that that's a struggle that I have of just like, cause I, that's how I treat myself, right? Like if I'm struggling with something, let's fix it. Instead of being like learning lately, like more and more, even right now with just moving to Denver um, and it being so fresh, I'm like, it's okay to be upset. Like I wasn't planning on living here and now I am. And luckily I get to marry the man of my dreams and there's so many beautiful things and it's okay. It's okay to, to feel the emotions that come along with moving to a city that you, um, that wouldn't be your first choice to move to. Right. And, um, I think holding that space for other people, like having friends where like when they share stuff with you, just being like, wow, that's hard. And having that empathy, but not even trying to come up with a solution immediately yeah well and I mean it's, and I think it's challenging too because we're coaches and so and I'm like coaching I know that I want to help someone work through something but even as a coach you have to know how to powerfully sit with someone through something and create a space for them to be led back to um in an answer internally like I don't believe in telling someone what to do and um I believe in powerful question asking so that a person can come up with the answer themselves. And, but not only that, but with the pain part of it and sitting inside of it, a lot of us are so afraid to sit with someone in their pain because we're afraid we won't have the answers or solutions. But a lot of times that's what's most healing is holding the space of like your pain is allowed here because so many people haven't sat with the pain. They haven't allowed the pain to come up. They haven't had someone in their life that was willing um, to let that pain, pain be known and let that emotion be known. Cause I even know for me growing up, it was, it was, I was 
I was sensitive and emotional and I was always told you're too sensitive and stop crying and um, you're, you're overreacting. And so I know that for, for, for years for me, I didn't even want a tear to fall, fall out of my face because it was like, like, how are people going to react to me? But then to go into like a year of like, just gosh, so much grieving and so much emotion and so much pain come up and for the people that to be unfazed by it, I'm like, whoa, we actually need so much more of this in our world because these emotions are extremely powerful. And not only that, but your highest level of pain being felt allows you to get to your highest level of joy. If you're blocking out your highest level of pain, you're also blocking out your highest level of joy. So there's so many people sitting in the middle ground that will never actually know what it feels like um, to get to that space on both ends. And it's honestly like a really beautiful process. I can say right now for me to feel pain, although it's not, it's not comfortable, it actually feels really beautiful um, to feel, to feel the deepest parts around my pain because it feels like, oh no, this is just, this is just something I'm going through. And, and I think through creating that safety and home in my body, I'm so accepting and loving of whatever needs to come up for me. And then I want that for every person. Yeah. That's so true of like, the, I know Brene Brown says, you know, you can't numb the bad without also numbing the good. And so often, you know, um, I think especially in the world we live in today, it's like positivity and gratitude. And, and yes, those are all true things to choose. And you can't just, if you, there's something inside of you, that's like a secret that you are keeping from the world or a secret you're keeping from a significant other or a secret you're keeping from your best friend. And it's like eating you alive. And it's always kind of like low key there in the back of your mind of like, you know, the lie, the lie that's held onto in your brain that you don't bring into light. I can tell you that that lie will grow and it'll get bigger and worse and it'll begin to affect you. And I mean, that's some of what happened with, with me and my story of thinking I was going to die at a young age. Like I didn't want to tell anyone that I thought I was going to die at a young age. Cause I was like, it's too weird. It's too scary. Like I thought if I talked about it, it would get worse. So I held it in and it actually got much worse and felt more like truth because I held it in and because I never dealt with the pain or I never dealt with the thought processes. But once I finally told my mentors and they walked me through it and they loved me through it and they were like, Hey, it's okay. Like, but that's a lie. And you don't need to believe that lie any longer. So shining light on the lies is like one of the most powerful things you can do to realize like people love you through through your hardship. People will love you through the stuff you I think so often the lie we believe inside ourselves is like if someone knew how crazy I really am or if someone knew how horrible things really are in my brain, they wouldn't love me because the ultimate lie is I'm unlovable. So if they knew this dirt about me, if they knew this thing in my past that I did wrong, if they knew who I used to be before they started dating me, or if they knew, you know, the types of things I've, I've done in the past, whatever, or maybe still struggle with, they won't love me through that. And therefore I will keep that a secret and I won't ever tell anyone. And I'll just act like it's all good and I'll choose positivity and gratitude and be happy all the time. Oh gosh, which you know, there's such a time and space for gratitude and it's powerful and, and affirmations, but you can't you can't use those as a cover up to what's really happening. Exactly. Yeah, you can't use it as a cover up, of course. Yeah, it's like it's kind of that both in and then you and then you feel that full crescendo, right? You get to feel those feelings like I would say since I've begun doing um this type of personal development work, I I feel a lot more 
I guess I would say maybe negative emotions. Like I feel more or I feel sadness or I feel, you know, maybe anger. Or I feel things that I used to never feel because I'd always block those out because I'm like, you're not allowed to feel those. So right. I feel things more than I used to, but my happy moments and my joy moments and like the moments of life that I feel are a way stronger of emotions and, and like so much more life giving and be way more often. Like, because I've dealt with the painful stuff and because when painful stuff comes up, I don't ignore it and shove it down and pretend like it's all good. I like, I feel joy on a regular basis and an abundant amount of joy. Um, and it's like, wow, this is, this is cool. I get to feel all the, the spectrum of emotion instead of feeling numb. Right. Yep. 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 I agree. I think it's extremely powerful to have that view on it. Um, and to allow yourself to go, go through that process. Yeah. So Courtney, what are some tools that you would give, like very practical, tangible tools that you would give any listeners right now who are struggling with self-worth, um, self-hatred, um, or, or possibly eating disorder. But once again, like that's, um, that's just a byproduct of a deeper, um, a deeper issue. Right. So, yeah. One thing I would say, stop focusing on what's going wrong. Like Stop um, creating um, a kind of energy around what you're doing wrong in the behavior. And something that was really powerful for me is... What does that mean exactly? Like, how do you do that? Yeah, let me give an example. So um, something that really shifted things for me in, in, a, in a year where I was really going through breakthrough in, this, in, in the area of food, I was really struggling with bulimia at the time was um the guy who was one of the guys who was helping me he basically said to me hey like I actually want you to stop focusing on 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 not binging and purging I want you to just not like you're allowed like you're actually allowed to do this um you're if you if you want to do it do it like whatever just do it and I want you to focus on giving yourself compassion when it's happening um I want I want you to figure out what it's going to look like for you to love yourself even when you're doing this so a very practical way of of shifting a behavior is loving yourself even when you're doing something you don't want to be doing because when you try to create a new behavior from shame it's just a cycle of shame it doesn't create a sustainable solution and so if there's something in your life a behavior in your life within within your relationship with food if it's in a relationship um maybe stop trying to stop it maybe stop trying to figure out how you can stop this behavior actually focus on accepting yourself inside of choosing the behavior Stop shaming yourself when you're doing it. Stop beating yourself up. Um, and then the other, the other practical tool um, that I could give listeners would be start creating a relationship with your heart. It's going to sound a little ridiculous, but start talking to your heart. Um, literally saying, like for me, it would be like Courtney's heart. Um, I'm so sorry I've neglected you for the last week. I love you and and you're safe here. What do you really need from me? And I would honestly say that, I would say that a lot slower. Like I would speak to my heart as if I was like a five-year-old girl. Like we have to remember we're speaking to the inner child. Um, So speaking softly and slowly and not overthinking what you hear. Um, Trusting yourself with what you hear and continuing that. Like doing that daily. It takes a few minutes to sit with yourself and to ask yourself those questions. Um, and from there, you're able to create a lot more powerful results in your life. So you're asking your heart, what do you need right now? Is that what you ask? Yeah. I mean, I mean, depending upon what specifically, you know, you're trying to shift, I mean, but, but ultimately say for someone who's never done it, you can just 
start to ask God, what do you need from me? What, have I, what do you need that I haven't been giving you? Is there anything you want to tell me? And what's an example of like an answer that you've heard your heart saying back to you? Mm-hmm. Gosh, I know for me this last week, my heart was like basically just saying to me, all you care about is, um, what does it say? All, all you care about is focusing on um, creating more in your business and you don't actually care if I'm being heard. And I was like, shoot, okay. Mm-hmm. And, then, and, then, and then my heart asked me, would you still accept me if your whole business was destroyed? Wow. And for me, that was really hard to sit with. Like if, if everything I've built online is gone tomorrow, am I, do, I, do I still feel at home? Because even after working through everything I did with food and body, I'm like, there's still, no, still a new level of worthiness because now, now I'm in a space that feels really, really full of pressure and what's really powerful here um, to work online and do the work I do. There's a whole new level. And so, so finding a home in your body is, every area of our lives gets to be tapped into creating this relationship with our hearts. And I, and I really think you will start to hear um, some really powerful answers and questions. Your heart will ask you things like you're talking to it. It's like you're talking to a little kid in you. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's really interesting. I personally have never tried that. I'm excited to try that. And talk a lot about like journaling. And so that's, I think a lot of where that comes out for me, um, is like journaling these types of things out. And, um, I think even having that, maybe even for some people, it might be both is like journaling and over the journal being like, what does my heart need right now? And maybe it's, maybe it's sleep, you know, maybe it's to work less hours of work. Maybe it's to go on a fun date night with your significant other and just leave your phone at home. Maybe your heart needs, you know, like if, if you're worried about anxiety and stress, maybe your heart needs a couple weeks or months off of social media um, or whatever. You know, there's all kinds of options, I think, of what your heart and your body and yourself needs. And it's taking like five minutes to get away from a screen, to get away from humans and just check in with yourself, just you. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Yeah. I love that. Those are two really good practical tools. Um, I feel like I was going to say one other thing about the, the first part that you gave. Um, what was I going to say about that? Um, it's not coming to me. Will you remind me what it, remind me the first one again? Cause it's like slipping my brain completely right now. Um, not trying to fix the behavior, the bad, the bad behaviors. Yes, 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 yes. Yes. So not trying to, yeah. And so what I was going to say about that, um, this is like a super random one. And this is me. Like I've been, um, this is so weird and I hate, like, it's hard. It's hard for me to even share this right now. But for me, like I can pick at things a lot. Like I pick at my skin or I pick at my hair and I don't like that quality. Right. Like I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so gross that you do that. Like, why are you picking your split ends? Or why are you popping pimples on your face before you go to bed at night? And um, so I've spent so much time being like, oh, it's so gross that you do that. And then I go and do it more, right? And then I'm like, 
get done popping pimples for like 30 minutes and I'm like, ew, you're disgusting. And I'm like, I cannot believe you just popped your, like you said you weren't going to do this again. You did it again. Like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? Like tomorrow night I'll be better. You know, and for me, that's almost my, like how some people are with diets or with working out or with, you know, other um, maybe forms of addiction or, or whatever it is. Right. Um, and so I think it's really interesting, the thought process behind some of these things of like, instead of saying, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. Cause you're still focusing on it. It's releasing it and being like, all right, if you want to do it, go ahead. Like pop yeah, some pimples, yeah. like pick up the split ends. And like, when yeah. you, instead of beating yourself up being like, Oh, I guess I just did that thing. Yeah. All right, I'm going to go like take care of myself now. I'm going to go do something else. And it's almost like relieving the pressure off of yourself. And it sounds so counterintuitive. It really does. It's just like the entrepreneurship. It's just like the diet. It's just like exercise. Like we think that if we apply more pressure of like basically self-hate or um, telling yourself like, don't do this or do this more and like just really controlling ourselves, we think that all the control will help us be better. But instead, in all of our controllingness, we actually end up continuing the same cycle of shame and frustration and trying harder and trying harder and trying harder. And it's exhausting. And you just keep failing more and more and more because you're just so hard on yourself. And so, like I said, it's so counterintuitive, but it's this idea of like releasing it and being like, okay, you know what? I'm not even going to focus on that. I'm going to focus on something else. And if that happens here and there, it's okay. Like it's not the end of the world or I don't know. I mean, it just, and then you end up not doing that thing because you, you stop focusing on it, you know? And for me, it's still not perfect, but it's gotten so much better where now I don't have that same, like, I need to pop those pimples or whatever. It's like, sometimes I will for a few minutes and then I'm like, eh, okay, I'm done. Yeah, and yeah. I walk away, right. And, and it yeah. gets better and better. And I'm still a work in progress on all accounts of my life, but on this specific random weird one, still a work in progress. And it's learning to like not be mad at myself when I spend a few minutes popping pimples or if I spend a few minutes picking up split ends and not being so like mad at myself for for doing that freaking weird habit, you know? Right. Yep. Yeah. And I mean from there, like I would say you stop wanting to do these things. Like, I can't tell you how much easier it was to not, no longer struggle with binging and purging because I just didn't desire it. Like, I just had no desire anymore. Um, yeah, so I think once you come from that space, you'll be shocked at how things change really quickly. Yeah, the desire just starts to fade and you're like, oh. Yeah, like, just try it. I know it sounds crazy, but I'm like, just try it. Just try it anyway. You've done the, you've done the beating yourself up for so long. Come on, just try it anyway. Just try it. Right. Totally. It's like a little kid. You know, if you're like, if you tell a little kid, like, don't touch that hot fire. Like, what does the kid want to do? They want to touch the thing you exactly told them not to do, you know? And that's how we are with ourselves. And when we're like, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. It makes us like subconsciously like, I want to do it. I want to do it. I want to do it. So if you just like take the pressure off yourself and don't, don't even tell yourself what you can and can't do, the desire goes away because you weren't told you couldn't do it. (laughs) Right. Right. Mm, Yeah. I resonate with that. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay, Courtney. So if you could have today's listener, um, like anyone who's listening right now, walk away with one big takeaway, what would be the thing you want them to get the most out of this podcast? Gosh, just just so simple, but I really just want them to have more compassion for themselves. Like 
I really, my biggest desires is that we, we live in a world with more compassion and understanding um, for who we are. And so my hope is that they walk away with so much less self-judgment, um, so much less self-hate and maybe even just realization of like, oh, wow, I have been like really hard on myself my whole life and I would like to try it a new way. And so I would hope that they would at least at least attempt this route of compassion and 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 love for who they are wherever they're at um, regardless of what results they've created in their life Mm, cool i love it thank you so much courtney for your time today for sharing your beautiful heart and mind with everyone listening right now um it's it's such a joy for me to talk with you because you just have this calm powerful presence and yeah, just hearing the way you, you speak to yourself, um, it encourages me to speak to myself more like that. And it's a ripple effect. So thank you, Courtney, for um, just being yourself and for all the work you've done um, to be where you are at today. So yeah, oh, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that I could be of help. And yeah, I hope this, I hope this supports a lot of people. A hundred percent. Yeah. So if anyone listening right now um, wants to reach out to Courtney and talk more about this, and if you resonate with any part of her story or you just want to say hello, once again, you can reach out to her on Instagram, Courtney, C-O-U-R-T-N-E-Y-Y-Y, last name Ballard, B-A-L-L-A-R-D. And you can find her on Facebook at Courtney Ballard. So feel free to reach out to her and she would love to support you with anything um, that you might be going through right now, or even just, I'm, I know Courtney, she loves meeting new people. So yes, I do. I do. Yes, definitely reach out to me. I would love that. Yeah. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thanks, Courtney. Have an awesome rest of your day. You too. Bye. Bye.